0: All right, I think we're recording. How are we feeling today? Are we feeling the love in this household? Can you feel? I just did not. (laughs) You know, sometimes, Ashley, it's beautiful, your voice. It's always beautiful. Thank you. But just don't. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You're great. Don't worry. Anyways, what are we talking about today?
1: What are we talking about today? Relationships. Wow yeah
2: why do we choose this topic today because relationships are super prevalent we build relationships from the moment we're born you know
1: since we come out the womb the womb the womb yeah i'm telling you you were talking about two things or two quotes about relationships what were these what what were they
2: yeah so there is one saying um it's a russian saying and it basically depicts relationships or friendships you have with people Basically, the saying goes, show me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. So true. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I feel like that statement holds a lot of substance, Mm -hmm. and I stand by that statement. The second one is a little bit more pertinent towards uh, romantic relationships, but I feel like it can be applicable towards any relationship, really. Mm -hmm. And basically, whenever you get into a relationship, it essentially is a reflection of the type of relationship you have with yourself.
0: Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Wow. That's deep. Wow, 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 wow. Is the second one also Russian? No. Okay.
2: (laughs) It's just some cliche term I've been hearing around, but quite frankly, I understand why it's cliche. I think it's...
0: I resonate with that. I also do think, like, do you think it's only the relationship that you have with yourself or is it also dependent on the relationship you've seen other people have and also, like, your family members or stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? 1,000%. Because...
1: At the end of the day, your the first relationship that you will ever witness is the relationship that your parents have. Or if made, even if, you know, you don't have one parent in some way, you're still you're still kind of um, getting that sense of relationship through, you know, whatever parent or a guardian or adult figure that that's in your life, you know?
2: Can I just throw out social learning theory real quick? Because I feel like it's going to tie into everything we're going to be elaborating on. Mm -hmm. So in criminology, uh, a really big component of criminology is sociology. And basically, it also kind of ties into psychology because it depicts human pathology. Um, The theory basically explains that you you the way you develop behaviors is dependent on your observations Mm -hmm. so the type of family that you're raised in and the type of dynamic that's there is going to bleed into the type of relationships you will then
0: you know develop with other people yeah it honestly comes down to nature versus nurture at the end of the day it's like a combination of both that's Mm -hmm. symbiotic relationship i always say
1: behavior is learned you know like
0: it yeah, really is. even Absolutely. in the animal kingdom, if you see like birds when they're born, they don't know behavior. They see their parents and stuff like that, like song learning stuff like that. Social bonding is a big thing. Yeah, um, I think social bonding in like a lot of experiments and stuff has been done because it's kind of like a learned thing. You know, it's it's something that's I mean we could be born with for sure, but it's it's like nurtured yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually
2: ties into uh, social bonds theory, which also kind of goes hand in hand with deviant behavior, um, well-being, and just general human psychology. Basically, the theory argues that when you don't have sufficient bonds with people in your society or ties to your community, you are more inclined to end up, I guess you could say, diving into very detrimental behaviors, which yes. can then result in deviant pathology, um, crime, uh, or just that general disconnect, which can then lead to depression and mm-hmm. unfortunately suicide. Totally.
1: Yeah. Th- that's so, so true. So real 1000%. So mm-hmm. I guess going off of that and kind of moving into, you know, when you starting are starting out relationships, you know, with your family, with your friends, there's, there's different attachment styles that we can kind of, um, pinpoint um, pinpoint exactly so the three attachment styles there's secure there's anxious and there's avoidant mm-hmm. so i feel like they're honestly pretty self-explanatory for the most part so secure is basically you you feel safe mm-hmm. around the people that you know you you're in relationship with anxious you're
0: just worried you're more anxious you know so for the first two like secure and anxious mm-hmm. it could be parental it could be oh yeah friends and loved ones mm-hmm. anyone right essentially mm-hmm.
2: Research suggests that the type of relationship you have with your um, primary caregivers is really going to build the foundation of the type of um, attachment style that you may
1: develop further on in your life. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then anxious, which is the last one, I think is the most unhealthy one. Um, you're basically just... Or did I say anxious or avoidant? Yes, you
0: said anxious. I said anxious, so yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I meant avoidant. Yeah, I caught myself. Right. I was like, wait a second. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> avoidant. Um, yeah, that one, you basically just avoid relationships altogether. It's like you almost stop a relationship before it even starts because you just assume it's
0: going to end anyways, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, w- this, this is going off on a tangent. Not really, but would you consider in-cell behavior avoidant? Or avoidant would be just, like, someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship. The thing about being an incel is it is
2: completely involuntary. Um, I don't recall the exact definition of incel, but I think that word is actually part of the acronym, so to speak. Um, but it, there is, it's really difficult to even depict the type of rela- uh, attachment style an incel can have, considering the fact that they haven't even been able to develop that attachment with somebody. In the first place. Um, incels, essentially, they are people who have gone through a lot of rejection. They may not have the best, best self-esteem. And as a result of that, they don't handle the rejection really well. And it kind of just manifests into this vile hatred towards usually women, but there's also femcels, so that can also be applicable
0: to other to the other gender Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's kind of like they're also projecting their inner insecurities oh absolutely others right it's
2: it's actually a very dangerous community i know reddit has had to take down our incel which is one of the they had that they did and the main issue Like, I understand that there should be a support group for people who do struggle in the dating pool. It's difficult, especially in today's day and age, with all the standards that men and women both have to attain. Um, However, this community would perpetuate so much hate um, and animosity towards women. They also supported the idea that women were not equivalent to men just you know it, it was very misogynistic mm-hmm. yeah and only directed mostly
0: towards women too eh?
2: specifically with incels mm-hmm. um i can't speak on behalf of femcels simply because i haven't done much research on them but i would mm-hmm. assume that it would be
0: uh parallel yeah and reddit's not the platform to ex- like seek help like
1: if oh, you yeah. can't
0: seek help for something that's a mental health disorder.
1: Exactly. And not online.
2: I, you, know? you know, I think that for people that don't have uh, the resources to actually obtain professional mental health, um, like, for example, there is this one community called Our Relationships, and it's basically people who will... Talk about their relationship problems and, you know, average Joes like you and I will kind of chime in and offer some advice. And sometimes I think it's actually great because um, it allows you to actually identify that, hey, if all these people are saying that these circumstances in your relationship are, you know, manifestations of toxic behavior, maybe they're drawing some potential insight.
1: True. I just think in general that humans are wired for connection, so I think you mm-hmm. can go on these sites and seek validation or connection through people virtually, but I don't think that will satisfy you long term. I think that you still need to have some in-person connection and, and to fix those things in the real world, you I know? agree.
0: And there's a lot of dynamic differences between people, so what we might scratch at surface level online, you never know what the person's actually going through or what they... Put the other person through. Yeah, in my it's kind of like there could be room for bias or like cherry picking. You know, right? What I'm absolutely. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to the internet, you do have to be
2: very careful with the type of information you choose to yeah. consume.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: very hit or miss, like anything, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, um, you know, Ashley brought up attachment styles, and I'm genuinely curious. Would you guys? How would you guys define your own personal attachment style? Do you think that attachment styles are static just in the sense that they're consistent throughout
0: your life do you think they can change what are your thoughts
1: I think that they can change I think so too
0: Mm -hmm. because I think life experiences yeah and experiences with relationships uh you know platonic or like friendship or you know love can change a person's outlook Mm -hmm. over time
1: and I think you can express more than one attachment style in the one relationship that you're in with another person too Depending on situations and things that come up, I think certain things can bring out, you know, a more anxious attachment style in a season versus a more secure attachment one, you know?
2: That's true. I I agree. I feel like attachment styles can vary depending on the type of relationship and who are you having that relationship with you know like with friends maybe you have a very secure attachment style just because you've had genuinely healthy experiences and then maybe with a partner because that whole realm is very new for you you're not able to identify certain uh, red flags which can then manifest into
0: like an anxious attachment
2: style or
0: um yeah yeah so what if your guys is like um graph of a att- 10 of um what do you call it? Attachment, attachment style? style, yeah. What do you Been, mean by like, graph? Like over time, how has it changed? What would you start with? Would you ever notice it changing between people like with past experiences? Like hmm. what what's the dynamics of your attachment style? Ooh, I'm curious. The dynamics. Well,
2: I have been in three serious relationships Mm -hmm. since I was about 17 and a half years old. And then for the past year and a bit, I've been completely single. Um, Diving into my very first relationship, if I'm being completely honest with you, it was such a new territory for me. Um, I feel like over time, I actually developed an anxious avoidant attachment style. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I developed such an attachment style, I think it was kind of a coping mechanism to deal with the incompatibilities on an emotional level with my partner at the time. And this was your first? This was my first, partner. yeah. Okay. So I considered it as anxious avoidant specifically because, you know, I personally like to deal with problems And maybe this is how I am now at the age of 22, but with calmness. And when there's a lot of emotion involved, it makes me feel a certain way. And I feel like I'm not able to entirely invest myself and I kind of draw back. Um, And I feel like because we were also long distance, halfway into the relationship, a lot of problems started to arise. And me being like 17, 18 years old, I really didn't want to take a lot of responsibility either. So I I just started to kind of step away, which is not healthy either.
1: Yeah. When it comes to like anxious, the anxious attachment style, do you think that it's in a sense related to codependency? Where like if you're more anxious in a relationship, do you guys find that you're more codependent? that relationship do you think there's a there's some correlation between the two or do you think they're two separate things
0: well I think in I can speak for myself it was kind of two separate things I wasn't anxious Mm -hmm. in the relationship but I did like upon reflecting after breaking up and everything I did realize that there was a level of codependency, but I wasn't actively anxious in the relationship where I was anticipating the worst. Mm. So I think it's it can manifest together, mm-hmm. of course, and it can manifest separately. Um, but in my case, it was more like introspection. Like I took time and I looked back and I was like, you know, maybe it was more, I was giving more mm-hmm. than I maybe should have yeah. or... Mm -hmm. putting in more effort than was necessary which maybe in the time you know had like made me think of a lot of things like overthinking and stuff like that so Mm
1: -hmm. and Anna were you you were in a codependent relationship too as well okay
2: so after my first relationship ended that was a one-year relationship I entered into my two-year relationship Um, now unfortunately at that point in my life I was very naive I had very little life experience to actually determine what is toxic and what is not i also don't believe i was the best version of myself at the time and you were
0: also sorry you were also just going to second year so you should give yourself that credit because you were going into a new world yeah Mm -hmm. so that is true
2: um but i definitely consider that Anxious attachment style. I and codependent? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, for me specifically, my experience, those two components went hand in hand together. Mm-hmm. And the way I can break it down for everyone, basically, because we had a lot of problems in the relationship, um, I didn't really have the balls to walk away or truly put my foot down. Mm-hmm. So I internalized a lot of that. Mm-hmm. In doing so, the physiological reaction was anxiety. And unfortunately, when you're not very familiar with anxiety, especially at that point in my life, it can manifest into some very nasty behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if I don't hear from my partner after a certain point in time, I freak out. If I'm not spending a certain amount of time with them in person, when I'm alone, I just start to feel very uncomfortable, like I can't be by myself. And that's what I think is, like, the main contributing factor to a codependent relationship. When you're away from your partner, you just, you feel lost. You feel like there's nothing going
0: on without my partner being by my side. Did you ever feel angry? It, why? At In yourself, oneself. at your partner, at the situation, ever? Yes. <laughs> oh, Ashley. All right. You know, Ashley hasn't said anything yet. I'm genuinely oh, curious. Oh, no, I'm,
1: I'm I like, listening to your, um, your <laughs> stuff. Like, we'll get to, get to me, but, um... Yeah, I mean, I feel like what, um, I feel like, okay, so let's then, I guess, talk about one thing that we wish we knew before we started dating Mm -hmm. when it comes to our relationships and, you know, developing attachment styles and code. What's one thing that you wish you would have known before you got into the relationships that you got into?
0: I think one of the biggest things is giving yourself the benefit of the doubt. What do you mean Uh, by that? A lot of the time it's... You're going to overthink a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. But you have to tell yourself that first of all, it's natural. You know, it's your first or second gig. <laughs> and you know, second you have <laughs> It's your second rodeo. First rodeo you just haven't experienced it, but you know, all these like negative thoughts or like um, you know, overthinking like what this person is doing, whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to give yourself the benefit of the doubt that you're not losing your mind essentially. Mm-hmm. You it can feel like that at that point of time, but with the relationships, when you're getting into something new with anyone at any point of time, you have to kind of expect to give yourself the space to acknowledge the feelings and not push it away. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, and I also think like, for me, even though I thought communication was there, I wasn't communicating with myself enough. Mm. And listening to yourself is a very big thing. It comes back to the benefit of the doubt, you know. Mm -hmm. Of course, people do wrong things. Like, you know, it's like it takes two to tango, essentially. I'm not saying like everything was the other person's fault. I'm not saying everything was my fault. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. Like, it's never just one person's fault. And you got to realize that. Yeah. So that was my... That's very
1: mature because a lot of people like to play the blame game, you Mm -hmm. know? And even though, yes, the person may have done you wrong, but like at the end of the day, it takes, it still takes two to tango. There's still something that you may have done that you can obviously learn from and that you contributed to you know, whatever, get the ball rolling for whatever happened in your relationship that made it kind of end, What you know?
0: It's taking accountability
1: for yes, sure. Yes. part absolutely,
2: yeah. And Don't you, avoid it. And <laughs> honestly, just building off of what Trisha said, um, taking accountability also means that when you find yourself in a toxic relationship, it is your responsibility to remove yourself from that situation.
0: I will say though, like I haven't been in a toxic relationship, but I do think that sometimes it can get really hard to do that. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, with other people's experiences, you know you're in a toxic relationship. But Mm -hmm. what can you do to get out of it? Because, A, you're seeking comfort in Mm -hmm. the person, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I leave the situation. Sure, I'll be better. Mm -hmm. But my comfort is going to be compromised.
2: Yes. So... What actually really prompted me to get out of my relationship... Well, there are a lot of different factors that contributed to that. But I had a very uh, good friend of mine tell me, if you don't exit this relationship, I will never respect you again. And Can I say that it was me? It was Trisha. (laughs) It was Trisha. I was like, wait a second, that sounds like... And you know what? I First and foremost, I do want to thank Trisha and Ashley uh, just for the fact that you guys really dragged me out of these shitholes on multiple occasions. You saw me at my worst and you know what, that genuinely prompted me to get out of that situation because it gave me an ultimatum. Like what's more important to you? Yeah. You know, when just also kind of go back to what uh, Ashley was saying, like something that I know now that I didn't know at the time and should have known or would have loved to know is number one, um, growing up, I've, I would like always have a crush on someone I love to daydream it would just take me away from my problems right you know like we're hopeless romantics and because of that I used to think that a relationship was the panacea to all of your problems big word big word (laughs) spelling 101 but um Yeah. And just in the sense that I used to think that like a relation, like if I'm in a relationship, you know, my mental health is going to be magically fixed. I'm going to feel a lot better about myself. I'm going to be loved. I'm going to be no, no. No. And in reality, I genuinely believe (laughs) like Trisha was saying, you should really have that introspection and you really want to identify where your well-being stands. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like especially in my second and third year, I was personally going through a really rough time and I was really vulnerable. So I that's how I also developed that anxious attachment style. I just latched on to whatever provided me that brief moment of happiness, security and comfort.
0: And a lot of these things are just fantasies. Like we grow up watching love stories and movies and it's all portrayed in such a fairy tale way Mm -hmm. where we think like you know if you're in a toxic relationship you're going to magically leave it I don't think so you need tough love in your life or someone on the outside to say hey it's getting bad if you don't leave this I can see you suffering you need that like reality check essentially totally yeah I (laughs) you know one way to think
2: of You know, trying to get out of toxic relationships, something that really helped me was imagining it as though you are, you know, battling a addiction. Because although, yeah, like another human being is not a substance, I do feel like the um, things that occur in a relationship can cause these highs and lows, similar to like a drug. Um, And because the highs and lows create so much contrast between one another, the moment
0: you have that high, you really hold on to it. I mean, if you think about it, attachment releases serotonin and oxytocin, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and dopamine too. It's yeah. kind of, it, it is like an addiction at it, that point, right? It really right? is. Physiologically. That's what, yeah.
1: That's why it's so hard. You really feel the withdrawals once you get out of the relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The attachment that you formed with this person for sure. But um, yeah, I think for me, like when we were talking about toxic relationships, I feel like I have experienced like in toxic relationships, I think that you can experience all three attachment styles in a toxic relationship because there's so many periods of highs and lows where in a moment you feel secure and everything's good and then you're just all of a sudden feeling anxious and then you're all of a sudden feeling avoidant if you get into a fight and then there's so many, that happens so often and that is a part of what makes it toxic, you know? Like it it's not constant. So um, something that I think... Um, I wish I knew before I started dating and I haven't even been dating for a long time or been in a lot of relationships, but that's but, okay.
0: I, I don't think that's yes. not like, that's not like a milestone yeah. type of thing. You do, it comes in your
1: time. Yes, for sure. I, I think I have learned some, you know, or gained some experience, but I think something that I wish I knew is that you really do carry a lot of what your partner carries in oh. the, in the sense that like, if your part you're, no, you really can't avoid any sort of baggage and hide that when it comes to your relationship. Everything that t- the two parties have or have experienced in the past, whatever traumas and things, all of that's going to come into the relationship. And it's like you guys are really feeding off of each other's energies and are really, in a sense, I don't like you're really just you're, you're just, feeding
0: off of each other yeah. essentially
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah like it, and it's it, and that in itself can be extremely harmful and extremely toxic because you really are trying to carry the weight of somebody else when it's not your job and when you can't do that in the first place because you have your own stuff that you're dealing with and then it just deteriorates and gets you know both of your mental health and wellness overall lower, Mm -hmm. if that even makes sense. No, facts, yeah.
0: (laughs) And it can go two ways. Exactly, yeah, it can go two ways for sure. Which is like, you know, you either acknowledge the trauma and the baggage you're carrying and you seek help Mm -hmm. or, you know, worst case scenario, you know, you pin that on someone else Mm -hmm. and you make them feel responsible for your trauma even though they weren't the root cause of it Mm -hmm. you know they make you feel guilty exactly and it's like they
1: want you to in a sense almost solve your problems you know and it's like dude hello that is a great point um another thing too i
2: i feel like in the past especially when i was younger i really Found myself attracting people that were broken, and I was attracting those kinds of people because at the time I was also a little bit broken, I was dealing with some mental health stuff, so I felt most comfortable to be, um, you know, connecting with someone else who's kind of on the same wavelength. But you know what? I think it's great when you find a partner who you can relate to, but here's the problem so. Kind of relaying back to what Ashley asked earlier, she asked me, like, was I angry? Did I hate certain things? I I think that was Trisha that asked (laughs) you that. Or or Trisha, sorry. It's all
1: right. I'll take the credit. (laughs) I'll give you the credit. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I found myself morphing into this version of myself that I absolutely hated. Like, I had no self-worth. My self-esteem ceased to exist. I I really wasn't who I wanted to be. And kind of looking back, like if we apply social learning theory and you're in a codependent relationship, you're with that person 24-7. So you guys kind of start to take on each other's traits. Mm-hmm. You know, even living with roommates, I feel like I've developed some of their gestures. I take on some of their sayings. And that's what happens in a relationship too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that the person I was with was worse than me or I was worse than them, them. but because I was in such a vulnerable state um, and because I relied so heavily on them, my I kind of merged my identity with their. Theirs. And in doing so I started to develop and inherit their traits too. Yes, And they may have inherited some of my nasty traits because, Hey, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Yeah.
1: And I think that's why it's so important moving forward to like, be very mindful and conscious of who you get into relationship with, because you are going to be picking up some of their traits. And so that can really have an effect on you, you know, maybe not in the moment, but down the road, like it's, it's going to affect you one way or another. So I think, um, so with all of the knowledge that we've now gained moving forward, what is a red flag that you guys, um, are now able to look out for? Like what's one red flag that, that you, you have when it comes to that? Uh, So
2: there's quite a few, but the ones that really stand out to me, just one. Oh, just one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how, the individual treats other people in their life. Now, that's not only applicable to romantic relationships. So, for example, even with a friend, if they talk poorly about all their friends or all the people in their life, what do you think they're saying about you when you're not around? That's a great one. Big fact.
1: That's such a big one. How about you, Tricia?
0: Um, I kind of wanted reframe this and instead of red flag because this is how my mind works but instead of red flag something I actively have been looking out for is someone who can be vulnerable with you Mm -hmm. and share stories and you know experiences that you both can talk about be like hey I experienced this too and oh I experienced it and this is how I worked through it Mm -hmm. so you in the in the long run you can both work on issues should they arise mm-hmm. you know with vulnerability there's a lot of things that you share like in the while talking about all these experiences um, that you've had so I think it gives you an insight because you know with my current relationship uh, one of the first things we did was talk about how what we got out of and it, there was a lot of parallels you know just talking about what things were wrong and what thing, what 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 right things happen in the relationship is so important. Because so important, you can Facts. avoid the bad shit, mm-hmm. and you can have a conversation about things that you know w- were potentially my fault or oh, the yeah. other person's fault. First date, bro. That's the question I'm asking you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what kind of baggage do you bring? What? Why did your last relationship fail? It, that's such an important question, though. Yeah, it I is. seriously think it is. Yeah, can Why? you own up to it? You know yeah anyways but at the same time
2: a pet peeve for me is when i meet someone and they just ramble
1: on and on about their but i feel like there's a difference yeah. i think there's a way that you can do it in a mature and respectful way mm-hmm, versus absolutely. like a okay bro like i don't want to hear about your all your mm-hmm, past relationships mm-hmm. and hookups and stuff like i'm you know there's so, a fine line because there's a- you don't want
0: to hear about the other person's nasty business yeah yeah like who where you hooked up which hotel no
2: oh that stuff especially that is a huge red flag in my opinion like i don't want to know those nitty-gritty details on the first day of meeting you yeah but Mm -hmm. that's true like you want to make sure that that consent is there it's kind of been you know laid out that okay we're having this conversation
0: yes but i think over time just talking about it yeah Yes. it's so important yeah what about you ashley i was was gonna
1: say just being um your true self if i feel like i and i'm i think i'm relating more to this um when i think about friendships mm-hmm. if i genuinely feel like i have to hide a part of who i am and my personality and i can't be my true authentic self around you i genuinely think that's a red flag because like down down the road long term like they're not going to accept you or agree with you and they may judge you and flip it in your face and You know, I just think that that can be toxic in itself. And it's like, hey, bro, why are we even friends in the first place then? If you're just going to, you know, be hating on me half the time. It's like, dude, this isn't a genuine, core, strong, unique. I don't know what I'm saying. I was was saying
0: unique, but that has (laughs)
1: nothing to do with what I'm trying to say.
0: How can you be friends or even... Be in a relationship with someone if they hate on you from the get-go. Facts. What the hell? (laughs) And you can't even have a relationship if you guys aren't friends. Exactly. I was just going to... Yeah, I was thinking about that. Because
2: like, there's going to be moments where you're just not feeling sexy. There's not a lot of romance happening. But y'all can just sit down and watch a show you both love. Talk about something that you both love. Laugh, you know. Act like a friend. It's
1: fine. You may not be lovers for life, but you'll be friends for life. (laughs) Bars. (laughs)
0: Like, I haven't truth. even shaved, man. Like, it, Oh I'm just going to say, like, going off of what Anna said, like, absolutely. You dating be... in a pandemic. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a minute? Personal hygiene is there, but certain things take a step back because I could not care less at this point.
1: Stay safe on social dating sites for yeah. folks, yeah. gents and ladies and yeah. whatever you want to be. Yeah. Be aware. Just be, be aware. woke. Be woke. And um, just know that at the end of the day, Jesus loves you.
0: Okay. <laughs> but love yourself first because that's important. I'm going to quickly quote someone. Um, the great RuPaul. Oh. Grace. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't love yourself, Haney, how are you? No. Oh, damn. <laughs> and this is the time oh, we need to wrap it up. No, I'm going to finish this. I got the thought. If you can't love yourself, then how are you going to love anyone else? Amen to that, sis. Yes. You know, the That's thought that.
1: came. I'm telling you, bro, because you can't accept the love that you're not willing to provide for yourself. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for finishing my sentence. You know, that's 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 friendship, bro. That's that's <laughs> true friendship. There All good go. things
2: start at home. Treat your body like a home. Your body yeah. is a temple. Anyway, I think we're gonna wrap All it. All of this
1: stuff is found in the Bible. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm <laughs> gonna throw that Bible at you, Ashley. <laughs> Anyways, but I feel like that was um a good summary overall about mm-hmm. relationships in general. I mean, maybe down the road we could have like a part two and you know, talk about our actual experiences if we want or just whatever but yeah so yeah or honey, like friendships yeah or- just for, you know there's I feel like relationships you could honestly talk about it forever there's so many aspects and levels to it mm-hmm. and I think there's such a beauty in relationships and um just whatever experience that you're going through learn from it um and always uh, be grateful for whatever experience that you have with whoever you're involved with you know because
0: there's always something you can learn and grow from because there's never a bad relationship it can be toxic and stuff but at the end of the day if you tell yourself it's a learning experience Mm
1: -hmm. that's what you
0: take from life everything's a learning experience amen um bad
2: relationships exist you know if it's threatening your life (laughs) get the hell out of there but yes yes trisha
1: yes oh my gosh but on that note (laughs) all right folks stay safe social distance wear your mask wear a condom <laughs> or that too yeah
0: protection Toronto public health says use glory holes <laughs> i don't even know that i don't know what that is i don't know if I want you don't to know. need to know that okay i don't great. think we
2: could say that on the podcast if i were to elaborate so yeah Anyways. we'll
1: just leave
0: it to that stay yeah. safe out there
1: all right folks catch you in our next episode
0: bye Peace. see ya